Dear Hummingbird, today I watched eight members of the Aryan Brotherhood kick out the teeth of a Puerto Rican. He also has some sentimentality for the actual plane, the metal. Maybe Cameron Poe likes a little ass play. Whoa, Diamond Dog, you, you could have been the next Stephen Hawking. Hello and welcome. We are back from theballerlifestyle.com. It is the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. I am, once again, the host of the program. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you very much for joining the show. Episode 165, I believe. Um, Very stoked to have you here. Very special episode we do these a couple of times a year. You tune in every week, hopefully. Hopefully you're team current and you tune in every week and you get updated on what's happening right then and there. The topical shit, the, the real news. We don't do the fake news here. We do the real news. And you get that every week. But sometimes we go off the board and we do something. We do, a, we've done a draft. We've done several different reviews of movies and this will be no different. Of course, it's the very special Baller Lifestyle podcast review. We always do the best movies. No, we don't do Citizen Kane or The Godfather or Tootsie. We do the real movies, the real shit. Like Soul Man, for instance, we reviewed. If you haven't checked out Soul Man, go back and check that out. Um, so today is the day we review. This has been a long time coming. Con Air. Of course, you were listening last week, so you know that's coming, and you know who's here. Of course, as always, it's co-host Ed Daly. Ed, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, I'm basking in the glow of the movie Con Air. It is a pretty special movie. Like a lot of the films we've reviewed on the show, nearly every one, not what I expected. Yes, a movie I had seen before, but not, I think I'd only seen it once. I saw it in the theater, of course, like you do with all classic cinema. But then I had not revisited since its debut in the theater 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago, like this June, I think I read. Shocking, yeah. So near the 20-year anniversary. So I just watched it again, and, and not at all what I was picturing, not as, at all what I recall seeing in the theater. Uh, joining us also, and I... I previewed this last week um he often joins the show he is legendary in so many ways of course i am talking about our very own jason stewart jason how are you hello everybody now it's really funny that um i thought i was going to be the guy who came in here and said you know there's probably a couple dorks that I'm doing this podcast with that, that watch this movie once a month. They know it cold. They quote the movie back and forth to each other. I thought at least one of you guys was like a, a huge Con Air guy because I went online and I found out that there's a, a, a massive audience for this movie. And many of many of such say it's their favorite movie of all time. I'm in your camp, bro. I, I watched it when it came out. And then I watched it just now. So uh, it seems like we're all kind of in the same camp yeah. here. This well, will be I, a I will go on record. I, I I don't watch it every month. But after watching it this week, I may have to. 
you're gonna you're gonna do a monthly viewing of this movie. This, this movie is amazing on a lot of levels. It's I I'm still not sure if I'm I was supposed to view this movie as a comedy. And I'll just I'm not I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna stop there because I I saw it and I expected one thing and it was completely not what I recall watching. And so hold on, we'll get to that. One thing I do want to catch up on is we're, we are running a contest on this show and I've, uh, I neglected to mention it last week and I wanted, I wanted to get everybody caught up. We are, um, we are having an, we stole this from someone else. I don't know who we stole it from though. Cause a, our, a listener gave it to us and said, Hey, you should do this. I heard it on another podcast. So I don't think it's really technically stealing if I don't even know where we stole it from. <laughs> yeah. It's you. So, we've, we've received uh, hot items. That's right. Yes. Like I don't. I we don't, didn't steal it. Yeah. It's we, like we we yeah, just bought a Lucy. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't. We're not at the pawn shop with some shit that we stole. We're at the pawn shop with some shit that someone else stole and gave to us. So the um, we're doing an iTunes contest where we are looking for listeners to roast the hosts of this show in the iTunes reviews. So you have to go to iTunes to the Baller Lifestyle Podcast, rate the show. You have to give us five stars. If you don't give us five stars, you're not in the contest. But then in your review of the show, you are welcome to say anything about us that you like. Take for instance Ben906 who said, I'm abstaining from participating in the contest because I already own Ed's book. I paid a penny for it, and I'm not sure having it autographed oh, would make it worth anything more. If you like to hear two heterosexual men talk about the purported dong sizes of celebrity athlete and athletes alike, this should be your go-to show. Ed is a Ed, a closeted corn slash ICP enthusiast, and Brian <laughs> Snake Guy discuss very. I can't believe I'm Snake Guy now. Hang on, you are Snake Guy. I to <laughs> say I'm an ICP. I I honestly can't name one corn or ICP song. Not me either. And I'm not. I I don't know. And I, I remember Ben did like let me know. Hey, I got your uh, your book on the bargain a bargain bin one cent. Like what? Son of a bitch! It was out there. Like it was. It was in the bargain bin. It was in the store where he found it. That's yeah, pretty good. At the same time, you might as well, because that fucking bullshit publisher went out of business, owing me a few thousand dollars. Holy shit! I, so I wasn't gonna get paid, you know, no matter what happens. I've just got a a, a stack of like fifty books. Uh, um, but yeah, fuck fuck them. I mean, but you know, it was a little hurtful to say, "Hey, look, I got your book for a penny." Yeah, that is that does see that, but that's that's the point of this. So you roast us in the iTunes comments. Somebody else called me a failure. Yeah. I mean, come on. There's, a, there's a fine line between roasting and just being hurtful. Well, we'll see. We'll see when it comes time to judge because a couple episodes from now, we are going to pick a winner. So you have a couple weeks left, but you need to get in. Roast us in the iTunes comments. Like, for instance, Andy <clears throat> in Denver. Creator Brian Beckner, a reform school stoner with a receding hairline. He is such a sweet guy that he convinces his listeners to make non-tax deductible don donations to him on the <laughs> regs. The kid is saving up for a hair system. Francie oh, Sauce oh. is the Aussie, Aussie step milf responsible for Americans that once visited Australia and now walk around saying, cheers, mate. Finally, Easy Ed Daily, Jersey's own Eminem. Ed, Ed talks a lot about that one Wu-Tang song he knows. On second thought, he's a poor man's Malibu B-Rad. TBLS, the Bible of podcasts, Andy in Denver. So you guys get the idea. 
go to iTunes right now. Find our show, The Baller Lifestyle Podcast. Give us a five-star review and roast us there. And if you win, you get for, you don't even have to pay a penny. You get a copy of Ed's book, signed, autographed. Your personalized you, message. Like if Ed gets famous and then dies, you're, you're going to have an item there. You got something. That's something to have. Uh, and also the winner gets to come on the show and do a victory lap with a, an interview with us. He gets to talk to us. So, um, do that. Okay. That's all. That's all the housekeeping. Let's talk about con there. You guys ready? Let's do it. Should we start with the trailer? I'm I assume everybody's familiar with this movie, but if not, let's, let's just listen to the trailer quickly. Cameron Poe is taking the first plane home to his wife and daughter. Today's flight is a special one. We're populating Louisiana's Felton Penitentiary. These guys are the worst of the worst. I see a lot of celebrities among us. I see 11 primetime lives, three regions from Kathy Lee's, and a genuine 2020 interview. What you looking at, Alan? Nothing. I was just lying on your cage. But one wrong flight. Stewardess, what's the in-flight movie today? <laughs> can ruin your whole day. Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird One, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flyer. The issue here is how the plane is brought down. Shoot it down. There are innocent people up there. He's got a little girl to come home to. He's been waiting for this day for eight years. What are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the day. This summer, check your weapons. Take your seat. Isn't that your car? And say your prayers. From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock, Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they going to land this thing? How do you feel about the blackjack tables? On June 6th. Buckle up. June 6th. Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. The the cast is tremendous. Unbelievable. But that this is crazy. The cast they got for this thing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like Uh, they got they got legit great actors, and this was. The last, maybe, I, I think this might be the last you've seen of uh, coherent Nick Cage. Like, he, he had oh, a pretty cool career. Oh, until I, I don't point, point a parliamentary procedure here, Ed. Coherent? No, no, no. I'm saying this, once you saw this, like, it just became, I think it was like face-off after this, and then it became like direct-to-video to right. Thailand movies. Like, well... Yeah. But before that, he had Raising Arizona. He had, you know, some different things. Uh, yeah, obviously, Leaving Las Vegas. Like, he had a career. Like, oh, he's a, a pretty interesting actor. career. Yeah. And he, so he's got the ability. And then Malkovich, great actor. Buscemi, great actor. Yeah. Ving Rhames, sometimes a, a, a great actor. Can be, I mean, yes. he's been some shit, too. Um, I don't know so much about Billy Bedlam, but... Uh, <laughs> Me but, either. Yeah, there's a lot of randos in there as well. It's, a, it's an ensemble randos, cast. But I'm just saying, they, they put a lot into this the reason why i don't give a shit like i don't watch these fast and furious i like the rock fine but overall it's a bunch of terrible actors like this there were some good actors actors. in this thing yeah yeah but this is i I think that there's a there's a distinction in this one 
that I'll make from what Ed just said. Like uh, Nick Cage, he basically lived the cliche. He won the Oscar for a very dramatic role in Leaving Las Vegas. And then a lot of actors are faced with this. They start getting a bunch of scripts for a whole lot of money. Yeah. And he just started saying yes to all of them that included The Rock. Con Air, Face Off, and then that City of Angels movie I know was a high-budget movie, too. I don't know how it did. Snake Eyes, and that was Terrible a Jonathan, Jonathan Demi movie. All these movies were just very uh, huge paydays without a whole lot of uh, creative, critical I'd, success. I'd argue The Rock was a fun movie. I, I thought movie. it was a fun yeah. popcorn movie. This is We forget that Nick Cage ran into a serious, serious financial problem turns out that this guy is he's a lot of times when you're a good actor it's because you're just a little bit off and this guy was buying properties and losing money and getting divorced and he had a fleet of rolls royces yeah yeah he was no worse he for some reason he felt like he needed 20 or 30 white rolls royces i don't know why you would need so many but he had that yeah he had that many so he ran into some financial difficulties and he just had to he couldn't be selective in his choices he had to take every too many cars the too many cars if you have a bunch of vacation homes it's you know excessive like well they like they like to go to different places the too many cars is like well what are you gonna do you can only drive one car at a time buddy Right, and what? Why do you need twenty five white Rolls Royces? Like you don't, yeah. you would only need one That's, Rolls Royce, and then you have some other different cars. Right, right. That's confusing. And uh, I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that expendable income went into uh, plastic surgery to try to fix the last plastic surgery, yeah, and it just snowballed it. there. The hair, the hair plugs. Could we? Could we go? How many degrees of separation between our? Our our favorite actor on the show, Jason Stewart, yeah, and Nick Cage. Jason, are you have Gina, you did has Gina Gershon been in a movie with him? I was going to say, let's play that game. I, I love playing that game. Okay. Has uh, Gina Gershon been in, in that movie? Has my guy uh, Lou Diamond Phillips been in a movie with Luke, with Nick Cage? Uh, I what about like Young Guns? That you can definitely branch off from there. Yeah. What about um, Danny Trejo is in this movie and he's in everything and he's in the kind of low bud shit that Jay Stu's in. So I, I, I mean, resent that. There yeah, has what? to. There has I mean, to. We, we did a seg- we, we did a whole thing on how great his <laughs> career. Legendary show. It's one of the most downloaded podcasts we've ever done, by the way. Should it should be? Yeah. Um, but if you yeah. if you do, if, I think there's there's got to be at least uh, if they haven't shared a movie. Nick Cage must have done a movie with Jay Moore, Jim Belushi, LDP, or Gina Gershon. There just has to be a movie. And I I challenge our listeners to find those. Yes. Yes. Do the the six degrees of separation. We'll see if we can get there from different angles. McKelty. Yeah, we want want people to, to chime in on this one. Okay, quickly. Con Air, 1997, as we've discussed. American action film directed by Simon West, written by Scott Rosenberg, who uh, actually wrote some good movies. Um, Things to do in Denver when you're dead, beautiful girls, disturbing behavior, high fidelity, um, gone in 60 seconds, another another, uh, Nick Cage vehicle. 
Yes. You know yeah. what they should do? You know when they say this is like an action movie, action comedy? This should be action racist movie. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um, this is the most racist movie ever. Yeah, it is. Um, okay. It was released theatrically in June, 9, June 6, 1997. Touchtones Pictures. It grossed over $224 million against a production budget of $75 million. Massive, massive massive box office hit. Uh, maybe maybe the biggest hit that Nick Cage has ever had. Um, and it's got all sorts of people in it. John Malkovich, the biggest name prob- probably, but tons and tons and tons of people you recognize. The story is, of course, as we, as we just, just heard in the trailer, uh, honorably discharged Army Ranger Cameron Poe is given a 10-year prison sentence on charges for murdering and using excessive force on a drunk man who attempted to attack his pregnant wife, Trisha, played by Monica <laughs> Par- Potter, who I'd forgotten about. She's like the poor man's Julia Roberts, right? She was she was hot and up and coming, and then she yeah. disappeared. She was Very in, pretty. She was in one of the worst movies of all time. She was the um, romantic lead with Robin Williams in Patch Adams. I, w- I would challenge you. <laughs> I've never seen it. Challenge you to find a more terrible movie. He he makes sick kid dying kids happier by Where's wearing a clown, clown nose. Right? Awful, awful <laughs> schlock movie. Um. So the the movie starts out. But can we can we yes. say before we summarize the yes, movie? Can we say that? This piece of garbage. What I mean, I mean, I don't need to jump ahead with my overall opinion, but this movie was nominated for two Oscars. And it should be nominated for more. Yeah, it, that's true. I what? guess. What's the theme song by Leanne Rhymes? Uh, how could I? How do I live without, without you? you? And then some some sound uh, nomination. The problem with with being a movie in 1997 is that Titanic blew doors on anything nominated, which was a terrible movie. Terrible. Oh yeah, really, really bad. Yeah, it's shocking. This was way better than Titanic. Of course, of course, much better. Um, do you guys want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie? How's it doing with the critics? Uh, I looked. Well, then, you do, say, then don't guess. I'm. I. I have not looked. I'm gonna say it got a thirty. That's you are actually low from the audience. Critics. Well, we're we're looking for critics. We're, well, I'll just tell you, critics fifty four percent rotten, but. Amongst the audience, certified fresh, 75%. Too low. Yeah. yeah that's too, that's pretty good. Great. 75 is pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, he's. it starts out, this Nick Cage is, even before the credits, oh. they like. Yeah, it starts out like a, like a History Channel yeah, it's documentary like, this on, is on the, Army Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers are bad motherfuckers. They take care of their own. They're elite. They do, you know, there's, you don't fuck with the Ranger, basically. And then you see Nick Cage coming home. And his hair plugs are, are in a normal, they're cut to a normal length. Hang on. He arrives. He, he arrives, like, he leaves. And he wasn't discharged because he's still in uniform. Why would you wear a uniform if you're out of the military? I don't know. Do you wear like when you're but, discharged? You wear you wear the uniform home, right? That's that's the vibe I got. That he's he's just gotten out and he's come home to his wife. But okay. I don't know. And he he arrives in in Mobile, Alabama, via Lieutenant Dan's shrimp boat. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a little weird. What? Why? <laughs> what was going on there? Why is he <laughs> have to ride in that thing? Like they have. I mean, Mobile, Alabama. It might not be as 
forward as LA or That's New true. York, but like you can you can get there by other means Greyhound. than like some antiquated fishing boat. That's very weird. Yes. Why was he? Why did he have to catch a ride on a boat? That's. That's kind of interesting. Thanks, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. He, um, this happens a lot in, um, in film that the person that you're, that you haven't seen forever that you're reuniting with, for some reason, they can't get off their job as a waitress that night. Like, you just can't, <laughs> just can't get the shift covered. So he, also, he has to show up to his wife's place of work to greet her. Yeah. And we learn that she, right away, he's talking to her belly. She's pregnant. Yeah. Who knocked her up? He was just—he just got off of Lieutenant Dan's fishing boat, and she, and she's not showing. Like it's, right, it's that means she's just like she's she's she, like a week pregnant. Yeah, she's like six weeks pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the first thing I'll wonder whose baby I'm gonna raise. That, that's the first thing to me that that sticks out. The first of many things in this movie that stick out is like over the top and unnecessary is Nick Cage's accent. Like I understand there's a Southern accent and then there is a what? 1962 battle at Shiloh well, yeah, uh, accent that yeah. no one has used in 150 years. I don't know if you guys, I, I felt like he had like watched uh, Ken Burns civil war episode <laughs> and yeah. that, that like Shelby foot, the uh, historian that talks about the whole thing yeah, 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 yeah. talks exactly like he does. That's true. That Shelby Foot is is he seems like he's from a cartoon. That guy. Yes. It it as soon as he speaks, his first line of the movie is he's talking to the ba- to, to her stomach, her to her womb, her flat stomach. Yeah, her womb, which has no. It's <laughs> there's no reason to believe that there's a child brewing a fetus inside there but he gets down to her um gets down near her belly and he says you gonna be miss alabama well that makes your daddy very proud well (laughs) and then and then while he's talking then a guy who looks like stephen baldwin in a skull cap starts you know yelling at him yes yes so there's a bunch of guys and this strikes me as odd in Alabama, they Alabamans clearly hate the military because they, yeah. see, they I see mean, the most red state of all. Yes. Yeah. They, and also if you're just itching for a fight at a bar, cause I mean, I get it. Some people are like that. Would you pick the army ranger? No, no. I feel like there's better people <laughs> to fight. That call. I'm pretty sure that guy's a certified badass. Yeah. So the local shitheads come up and antagonize him. They're like, Hey, really? I'm thinking I might want to fuck your wife tonight. And they're like, really? Like in his face. And she, and Monica Ponder. a dollar bill in his face. Yeah. He's like, why don't you buy us around and flick some money at him? And Monica Potter, she foreshadows and she's like, Hey, hey, hey. She's like, let's not be like you used to be or something. She's like, lets us know that he's got a monster inside of him waiting to come out. And he's like, oh, no, it's a good. And he's got the look in his eye like he wants to kill him. But he's like, oh, no, it's good. I just want to dance with my wife. Also, I mean, didn't he deserve a little bit of shame? He shows up and just starts dancing. Like, who who does that? That's just – uh, That's true. And also, he she had to be working that night. Yeah, she was so, working. And now she's dancing, slow dancing. Yeah, those those guys wanted a round of drinks. No wonder they were so and, pissed. By the way, it, they're in Mobile, Alabama, and the one guy's wearing a skull cap. Yeah, the other guy's got a hat that says Dusty on it, <laughs> and the third guy has a hat that says LSU on it. They're in fucking Alabama. What? 
I wonder if they, because Nick Cage is kind of doing like a more Louisiana. I mean, obviously he's not doing, uh, one of the houses he couldn't afford was in New Orleans, by the way, but he's obviously not doing a regional accent that fits anywhere. But if anything, I would say it's more of like a Creole sounding, like Bayou sounding accent that he's doing. Uh, But I do wonder when you hire a guy and it's not like the script is set in um, World War II and it's Cornwall, England, and you got the guy's got to have an English accent. This is Con Air. The fucking protagonist can be from anywhere. And oh, by the way, he do, he can be from Alabama and not have an accent. This Nick Cage shows up and he starts talking like that. How much coke are the producers on that they're not looking at each other going – we got to do something about this. We cannot. We cannot go to production with well, two, how much an, hour, an hour of fifty-five minutes of this guy doing this accent. We're talking about Bruckheimer, who had just uh, outlived Don Simpson, like that right, same his year. Buddy, his buddy. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and also, uh, yeah. the reason for the aggression by these guys is like they're saying because of pussies like you, we lost Vietnam. Like, what? It's nineteen ninety-seven. Thirty years ago. Buddy, oh. what, what, I mean, what, did yeah. did Kissinger and Nixon not do enough bombing <laughs> Cambodia? What do you, what do you want from this guy? Also, what did he do? Also, these guys are like thirty five. Like what? Like how dare yeah, what? How when t- they were when they were in first grade, they were all types of angry about the My Lai massacre. Yeah. Like what? How how tied up were they were they in the Gulf of Tonkin incident? <laughs> yeah, hang <laughs> on, guys. Like come on, you, you get can't over care it. about it. <laughs> Yeah, like what we're just we just came off a desert storm that uh, that's the one he would have served in. Like if which he was- that one you could you could argue that you know we didn't stay there and we yeah. could, we didn't topple Saddam, but that was a, a success. Didn't we're, didn't we win that in like a hundred hours oh, or yeah, something? We, yeah, we kicked a lot of ass in Desert Storm. <laughs> yeah, this guy comes back and they're fucking yelling at him about Vietnam. Like, yeah. Fuck, oh, I yeah. just won. So they so apparently we're. Left to assume that um, that Nick Cage, Cameron Poe, hangs out for his wife's whole shift. And is there is there a worse guy than that? The guy that hangs out while his wife's working. Like, couldn't he check in and be like, "All right, are you gonna have my baby and all that?" And then go bounce and take a shower and like maybe make dinner at home or something. He's got to hang out for her whole shift. But they get they get off work and it's raining and he takes her out to the but El not Cap- like regular rain it's no, Hollywood it's, rain like yeah it's, buckets yeah it's like pouring it's like sleeting it's like it's like it's like the rain pour in that movie The Fan where they play a yes. baseball game they and keep the playing. pouring rain and in pitch dark yes yes <laughs> yeah the lights went out yeah it's so it's dumping <laughs> and uh, so they take they go they're headed out to the car they're El Camino and that wouldn't you know it. The three guys that could have kicked his ass this whole night while they're in the in the bar, they come out and they got a score to settle. And there's there's like um some kind of like like a um lit um lit like furnace pipe or something like. No, there's lit, an oil. Isn't there like an oil derrick? Yeah, behind there's them? an oil derrick that keeps like in blasting, Mobile, Alabama. That keeps like blasting flames for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'm not familiar <laughs> with the oil game. But they're coming around and they want to fuck him up. And so they they set set upon him. There's three of them. They set upon him to kick his ass, and he's you know they rip off his his stuff too. They rip his um, oh, his patches, uh, uh, 
patches. That would they, be hard they rip to do. it off. That would be hard to yeah, do. They, it's they hard. get in there. It's hard to really get a grip. You'd really have to get in there with your fingernails and just really like rip hard. I don't know. Um, but, but of course, one guy busts out the proverbial switchblade. And they came at him with broken bottles, too. Yeah, they break a bottle on a chain link fence, which I would argue very difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, they didn't even do it on the post, just the yeah, fence itself. Yeah, they're fucking him up, and they decide, hey, let's murder this guy. And so they they, they – <laughs> And rape his pregnant wife. Yeah, they attempt to murder him with a switchblade, and it's not very clear. It's not shot very well, but some t- somehow he's able to turn the knife back around and fucking stab the guy that's attacked him. No, no, him. no. He does the old thing that we used to talk about when we were in like fourth grade. He does the the nose bone into the brain kill. Oh, shot. is that what it is? I thought he got yeah, it in he the does, gut. Yeah, he does the uppercut on the nose nose bone uh, thing. Oh, that makes more sense. Um, so he's clearly – this is a self-defense situation and yet the yeah, next – Yeah, there's a lot of evidence. <laughs> yes, and yet the very next scene, he's well, for some about, reason, he, before, he's on trial before, for murder. When we find out the guy's dead – Fucking Dale, the guy, the, the, yeah, the where bar is he? Owner, yeah, he, she called. Monica Potter goes to get Dale. Dale runs out, and he like he run. He jogs to the body, and he bends over and holds the guy's neck for a tenth of a second. It's like he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Dale <laughs> with the medical training. Dale might have been a corpsman. You don't know. He's he's got. He could have been a medic. And that was a quick. That was a quick uh, death notice. <laughs> he knew. He knew right away, but but then it's like all of a sudden a, a pall falls upon all three of them in the rain, like like Cameron posed on something wrong. Yeah. Three guys just tried to murder him. Like, aren't they? Yeah. Like, let's call the cops and get those other two guys. Then the world's shittiest lawyer makes an appearance. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. So yeah. how is that? This is the first part of, of many that don't make a whole lot of sense. This was a if there is a definition of self defense. And the, uh, I don't know, legal code or whatever it is. It's this. The guy had a knife. There were And broken bottles. They were trying to impale. Right. There were witnesses under oath that could have testified that. There was Monica Potter that could have given the motivation. How about earlier in the bar? Early in the bar, there's a lot of witnesses. Like, oh, yeah, those were the guys throwing dollar bills in the Army Ranger's face. Yeah. He, ple- he pleads guilty to manslaughter one, and the judge says, because you are an army right. ranger, you are a deadly weapon. Well, I understand yes. all this. But even the worst lawyer in the world sees this as a textbook self-defense case. Yeah. This, this, this lawyer looked – he was sweaty. He, his tie was loosened right in the first scene. Like he, he was not he, – he was going through some he's shit. He fam- was clearly not focused on his job. He's a familiar guy. You see him play – the guy that plays the lawyer plays a lot of villains. But yeah, we should talk about this. So he's like, look, he's like, take the, you plead guilty. You get the sentence is four years. You'll do one. It's like, that's, that has to be worked out with the prosecutor. Like they've worked out a plea and then he goes in front of the judge. And I guess because it's Alabama where my cousin Vinny took place, the judge is like, um, because of your army training, the regular laws don't apply to you. Wait, I've never heard of that before. I've never heard yeah. that, that if you are uh, have served in the military that you're subject to a different set of laws than normal people. And he's like, so you're going to actually have to do 10 years because your body is like a lethal weapon and you should have known that or something like that. And and the the like the voiceover work, the way they, they, they dubbed it in, it sounded like the movie phone guy. He's like, Cameron Poe, <laughs> yeah. you are a deadly weapon. 
In theater four, Caddyshack 2 is starring Jackie Mason playing at 1210, 345, 7, and 10. Uh, so he, go, he goes, so he gets sent up the river. He goes to prison. And there's a lot of like voiceover. He's writing letters back and forth with the daughter. The worst letters ever. Really? They're, they're just facts. He just writes facts. Really, really. You, do. you have to give, you have to give, uh, whoever the decision was, the writer or the directors, you have to give them credit at least that like they did not do a cliched uh, prison montage. And they, <laughs> they set it up yes. in, this, in this kind of like, uh, you know, kind of touching thing, exchange of letters with his daughter. And in, in, in between, he's doing uh, headstand push-ups and he's doing one-arm he's whatever. He's yoked in this movie. Yeah, yeah he's but really I, in good shape. There is Trisha. That eight minutes of time, I do give credit. It's not a cliched montage. It's a montage masked as something else, and I, I will give it credit for creativity. There yeah. is Casey. Today I ate shit on a shingle. That's it. <laughs> He's he. Dear Hummingbird, today I watched eight members of the Aryan Brotherhood kick out the teeth of a Puerto Rican, <laughs> so he wouldn't be able to bite them going forth. Uh, lucky for Nick Cage, he has that um, water pipe that every prisoner has in his cell, so he can just do tons of chin-ups because he's. Doing chin ups yeah. and he's doing and he's doing um, handstand push ups like a madman in there, which is why he's so yoked at the end. And did uh, you see the pictures on his wall? I mean, there are a lot of pictures of his kids, and then there's a picture of a truck, and it just says four wheeler. Yeah, it's it's like it looks like the Fall Guy truck. Well, why? Like you just have a picture of a fucking, and it just says four wheeler. What what is that? Is he masturbating to pictures of? Off-road trucks. When he, when he gets out, he wants to get a truck. I, 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 it's an aspirational. It's like a vision board. Yeah. Here's my daughter, and here's the four-wheeler yeah. I'm going to get. Four-wheeler. Four-wheeler. So we learned. So he's done his time in prison. He's made friends with Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump, this dumb also, sidekick role. Also Bird from Wildcats. That's right. Yes, Bird from Wildcats. McKelty Williams. Um, he's, he's getting out and... They don't really explain it, but his best friend from jail also is go- getting transferred to a different prison. It just happens to be that they're both going on the same plane, which I thought was very odd. And his be- his best friend is super sweet and nice and docile, and like he goes, "I'm nowhere close to getting parole." Like, yes, <laughs> the nicest guy in the jail is never yeah. getting out. And they also they before they get on the plane. He he shows that like the the gift he's going to give his daughter uh, is a a toy rabbit yeah. in like a plastic bag. Where do, where do you and get I was that thinking, in prison? Yeah, the fucking prison commissary does not sell toy rabbits, right? And I mean, because that would just mean guys are just fucking their rabbits. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would disagree. I have not spent uh, much prison time, but I would say a soft furred bunny. Um, would be something that, that, yeah, just it's an easy landing spot and and great friction for masturbating. Wow. Oh, Jesus, Jesus! <laughs> uh, All right, we got toothpaste and uh, a a rabbit that you can jack off into. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he gets out and then he's like on the bus to go to the um to get flown to the next prison, which is like a little bit of a or he's getting out and yet he's getting flown somewhere, um, which is a stopover. 
I've seen the Blues Brothers. They just they just open the gates. They give you back the shit you came in with, and they open the gates. And I've seen MSNBC. Sometimes they give you a bus ticket. They don't. They're not giving you a flight home on their private aircraft. With same with rounders. Anytime a guy gets out of jail, like you just see the the gate opening and they're out. Exactly. Um, so, but he gets out. He's he's getting on the bus to go home, and the uh, they're on the bus to go to the plane, and. Very chatty with the guards. The guard is like, hey, okay, just you know, sit back. We're just going to take a ride. And he's like, I'm going home to see my daughter. I have not seen her since she was born. He get, does like a 12-minute soliloquy to very, the guard. Very Jerry Bruckheimer exposition-y. Yes. Yeah, long, long explanation that didn't seem to fit. Um, they're, getting, they're getting the flight ready, and we're introduced to – John Cusack's character. Speaking of hair plugs. In this movie, again, another guy that must have fallen on some hard financial times and needed a job. And there's John Cusack who plays the marshal that's overseeing the flight, the the prison um, flight. Um, that he's, So he's working – He's in charge of the flight. He's there to move the prisoners, but the DEA is also there because they've decided that this would be the perfect time to put a, an undercover agent on the plane to get somebody to confess their drug crimes to the DEA agent. Um, the, the, and the DEA guy, not surprisingly, is not on the same page as John Cusack. Also, he drives like a hundred – he hates every From everything yeah. about any non-DEA because he says something about how he needs to get the information before the pricks at the FBI get him. <laughs> and he has a problem with the U.S. Marshals. It's like, buddy, yeah, like, we're, what, we're all on the mean, same team. What's wrong? What, I mean, they're kind of on the same team, right? They're the law. It also, but this he, was, he hates everyone. Also, somebody, this look, is, somebody look into this, this guy's background. He's driving like a hundred and twenty thousand dollar nineteen sixty six Corvette Stingray. Like a, a, a DEA officer probably makes seventy five grand a year. Pretty sweet personalized plate too. Yeah, well, by the way, are you familiar with? Kicker. Are you guys familiar with Calm Meany, the the yeah, actor? That's him. Yeah, he he played a good prick in the nineties. I was going to say. He's he's got like a hundred credits to his name. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's a, he's a, a well versified character actor, but I don't remember. As I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, where have I seen this guy before? Is it just that I've seen him in a lot of stuff, or is, was there another signature role? Do you remember? Uh, I don't in, know about signature, but he played the dick a lot. He yeah. did. I feel like he was in The Commitments. Was he in The Commitments? That's an Irish movie. Maybe. Uh, I, I didn't see that one. Uh, but uh, but Cusack, uh, Cusack, he admitted uh, on record at some point that he took this movie to he needed get his money. face on a big movie poster. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, let's see. Let's see what he's done. Um, he's done some voices on The Simpsons, Cole Meany. It's what? almost like he was in a, a, a TV show that I, I watched. Oh, he, yes. Star it. Trek Deep Space Nine, you big nerd. No, I've never not. seen any Star Trek show. No, Jason Stewart. Um, no. Star Trek The Next Generation. No? Oh, shoot. Here it is. I just found it. MacGyver. Did you guys, did you guys watch Hell on Wheels on AMC? No. Okay, he's he's on Hell, Hell on Wheels, so that's mm. where it resonated with me. Anyways, we'll move on past meaning. Nice aside. Also did also did a Remington Steel, the Pierce Brosnan vehicle. Oh, of course, yeah. 
And the guard, the woman guard, guard Bishop. Yeah. She worked a lot. She was in Falling Down, Total yeah. Recall, Ford Apache, The Bronx. She was she was good uh, yeah. actress. Yeah, she's good. Uh, okay, so they're, they set it up. They got – oh, and the whole deal is like this um, – and this, so this is also foreshadowing this, the DA guy's like, okay, my guy's going on there with his gun. And, uh, and John Cusack's like, whoa, 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 no gun. He's like, no guns on the plane. There's one in the lockbox in the, um, that the pilots have. And in the hold, there's like a, an army platoons worth of weaponry. Yeah, there's a ton of guns. Like that, 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 that didn't make much sense. Like if you didn't didn't want the DEA guy to have a gun in his sock, you really didn't want to have 3,000 shotguns tied up down below where they right. just have to go down a hatch to grab one. But um, if you're going to send a guy with a gun, probably don't send Jitters McGillicuddy with the gun. <laughs> That's true. He was this fucking guy. Whoa. He was, he was very sweaty. Every well, it was supposedly July. Everyone was very sweaty. But so as we're boarding the plane, we get the name of the plane. Pretty good name. Jailbird. The jailbird. The jailbird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's also like a 1941 DC nine that they're flying in. Like how is there are the U S mar- marshals that poor? Couldn't they just um, pay to, to charter a seven thirty seven, like this is just crazy. Put them on a bus at this point. The pl- the plane never goes more than like a hundred feet in the air. Just put him on a bus. Also, where was he jailed? Because he did his crime in Alabama, and the flight was going to Louisiana by way by- of Carson City, Nevada. Yeah, it looked like they they were just kind of maybe. I I thought I thought I read somewhere during the movie, like maybe his prison release paper, that he was in San Quentin. Oh, that makes sense. That uh, would make more sense why would he because there? there was yeah. a Fresno in there too, wasn't there at some point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, okay. So this they now we get the lineup of the um of all the races of murderers and uh rapists and, and everybody. This is exposition scene, right? Yeah. Well no, I just have the um I, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I have I have Vince, the, Vince Larkin. Yeah, I have the scene with where they're all the convicts are load, loading onto the plane. And they, 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 they get to introduce them to the audience, which was a common thing seemingly in these right, action would, movies of the 90s. They had that scene where they had to introduce everybody in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and they do that here. Ooh, four towns. Yeah, four ooh, towns ooh, over. Who cares? Nathan Jones. Ving Rhames. General of the Black Gorillas. He blew up a meeting of the National Rifle Association saying, and I quote, they represented the basis negativity of the white race. He wrote a book in prison called Reflections in a Diamond Eye. New York Times called it a wake-up call for the black community there. Talking to Denzel for the movie. That'd be bad casting. Yeah, I would think so. So they're locking them into like their own cages inside because these guys are extra bad. Alright, pause this. 39, been in jail for 25 years. So that means if if he was good for for the first 14 years of his life. Yeah. Then he's been in jail since then. 
So as a minor, he was convicted. But then you think, well, no, he probably was released and then sent back. So was he Doesn't like in jail when he was six? <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you're, they're saying he's in the prison system for this many years, like if you said 14, it's still like, geez, this guy's been <laughs> fucking around. Like, but like the, the math, like he, math he was like really in work. first grade and he was yeah. fucking murdering people. Like, well, what? maybe he was like born in prison okay. and then, like yeah. And then he had to like live in like a reform school, which like, counts as one of their institutions like maybe he lived in like a um state like that orphanage. movie sleepers right yes where exactly they, yeah where they all get yeah. raped yeah um yeah it's and this here this character is the bad guy the antagonist and he's he is a, i i'm sure if you ask him about his career he doesn't want to talk about this movie malkovich is tremendous in this movie he's very he's an amazing actor a a generational so talent, good. in my opinion, so good. that even when he's saying, he's spewing the lines, <laughs> yes, from a, just an awful script. Yes, absolutely. Cyrus is a poster child for the criminally insane. He's a true product of the system. What's that supposed to mean? What is he, one of these sociology majors who thinks we're responsible for breeding these animals? No, but I could point a few fingers if it would make you feel comfortable. Again, and he gets his own cage because he's such a bad guy. Well, look at this walking penis boy. All of a sudden, this, Dave, Dave this, Chappelle shows this up. This guard is pretty awesome, this guy. Yeah, he's pretty good. You are one skinny Negro. Easy, man. Open <laughs> up. Oh, man, it smells like so much shit in your mouth. Told me you loved me. <laughs> Get out of my face. All right, all right. Yeah. By, like the a, way, by the way, 20-year-old Dave Chappelle. Yeah, crazy. That, I think that was the best line of the movie. And I remember at the time thinking, in a movie filled with a lot of corny jokes and writing, that line was like kind of edgy and it was funny. He told he told me that he loved me, right? So then I'm reading about the movie afterwards, and I guess Chappelle improv most of his lines. So it makes sense that that yeah. would be like the most poignant, funny line in the movie. <laughs> makes yeah. Bruckheimer is like, uh, great. We don't even have to pretend to to care about screenwriting during the Chappelle scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then pinball. We get that is Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. Nobody. It's hitching a ride. Now what's with the hair? I don't know. It's like he didn't get a haircut. Like he got out of he got went to prison and he just never got a haircut. I thought it's, you have to get your head shaved. Yeah, I don't know. He's but that's like the that must be the thinking behind the rationale behind having that long there's guys with long hair in jail. But if you have cage as an actor, you probably would say the choice would not be to add hair to the scene. No. Right. No. Right. Keep it short so it looks more realistic. This look, this was troubling, this hair. Yeah. So they get, they, as soon as they get in the plane, as soon as they get in the air, everybody's secured in. There's, you know, some moments there with the guard. The guard's telling him how he's Guard fouls on. I love the in flight movie options. Yes. Yeah. They, because. Oh, I, I got the movie for you. I'll never make love to a woman on the beach again. Yes. Preceded by the award-winning short, No More Steak for Me Ever. Yes. That was really, a great line. Yeah, it's really good. Um, 
Not shockingly, Ving Rhames and Cyrus the Virus are up to something. They've embedded, they've done that thing where you um, take a pin and you stick it inside the skin of your um, calloused hands. Um, I feel like the like the prison system would be on to that. If that were a thing, if that were a way right. to smuggle a pin, I feel like they would know that by now. And they had they had metal detection devices, right? I'm guessing yeah. they wouldn't let a, a a a team of prisoners onto a plane without some kind of a metal detection, right? Absolutely. In, in 1997, every passenger had to go through metal detectors, but yet the most dangerous people on earth, they're like, man, they, I'll, I'll trust them. I'll trust them. So the uh, so they they are able to um, pick the locks of their handcuffs. Handcuffs in movies so easy to pick. You could do it with yeah. a bobby pin. You could do it with a uh, like like Houdini. Even in the twenties, he hid the key on himself. Spoiler alert! Like Houdini no. didn't, didn't actually taking us behind the curtain. <laughs> Houdini didn't actually pick the locks, and those weren't exactly the uh, the most modern technology. Like now, these days, could just like jimmy it a little bit. It comes wide open. Um, so they're, they're up to something and that Dave Chappelle, he starts coughing something up and he's, this is a, an interesting plan. Shocked that it worked. I mean, it was really a one in a million chance. Um, Dave Chappelle's doing like, he's, he's sitting next to the, the native American, Chief. the Indian from, uh, from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. And he is like, Hey, Cochise. And he's like doing all the lines that you do. Um, and then he's like, Hey, I, I hope you don't mind this. And then he pulls from his throat attached to a string, a single match or a couple of matches and a, a little tiny, um, vial of lighter fluid, which he pours all over the Indian and then lights him on fire. Right. Yeah. And, and yes. how do you, how do you do the, um, I've seen it in movies. How often do you, can you just strike a match on anything? Not not only does he strike the match, he holds it up for a second. Like he's very dramatic about it. He just flicks it lit and he's like, Hey coaches, I hope you don't mind. Like assuming you survive this, I hope there's no hard feelings. And then he like lobs it in the air, easily blocked. Like I don't I feel like if somebody threw a match at me <laughs> like that, I would just easily whack it out of the air. But no, he catches fire and then that's the diversion they need. Again, you Feel like the cops would kind of be on to this. They would have been used to. They like this is their job, flying on the plane with prisoners. But no. Then Dave Chappelle is able to steal the guard's keys and unlock um, Cyrus the virus. And the, uh, you're skipping one. one of the major villains. Yes, Johnny Johnny Twenty Three. Oh, that's right. Um, Danny Trejo is there. He's a rapist and he's a notorious rapist and he's announced that he's going to do some more rapes, right? Yeah. And how about when he, he talked about how he has like 23 roses for each woman he's raped Yeah, hearts, and then, but then our hearts, right. And he goes, it would be more like Johnny 600 if they knew the truth. Yeah. So was he only getting the tattoos based on convictions <laughs> yeah, or he just thought like, that would be unrealistic to have 600 hearts in my heart. It was like the tattoo artist. It was like, it's going to cost you this much for 600 roses. How many have you been convicted of? Maybe we could make this more economical. <laughs> it was a whole discussion. They broke down finances. It was, it was smart. It was logical. That's a great point. Um, so yeah, they, they're able to, um, 
And again, they do the thing where the pilots, if the pilots had just stayed in the cockpit with the gun, they could have landed the plane and been fine. But no, the one pilot tells the co-pilot, hey, get the gun out of the lockbox and go see what's going on back there. He was not he was not a type of guy you should send with a gun because he didn't he didn't seem to have a real plan. Maybe that's because it was former L.A. Kings defenseman Marty McSorley. (laughs) <laughs> like what and why is marty and i looked i'm like hey that looks like marty mcsorley so i looked on the imdb and it is, the co-pilot is in fact played by former la king he is of, it? of the curve stick in 1993 marty mcsorley yeah it he, really was him yeah he comes out he comes out of the cockpit gun first and cyrus the virus just quickly like ties up his hand with his uh with his handcuffs and gets him to like shoot a couple convicts by accident de-guns him and takes over the plane very very sketchy concept that they go with but it worked it's like in a movie in a movie filled with like over the top uh long-winded action scenes like that last like 30 minutes could have been two minutes they really kind of glossed over this takeover i i just have a feeling that if you're going to take over a secured plane with guards it's going to be a little bit more difficult and McSorley just coming out gun first and getting knocked out. That was just kind of a, a great example of how they obviously said, uh, this isn't, this is very unrealistic. We're just going to make it happen quickly and get on with the movie. Nearly the the second biggest mistake he made since, well, first was the mullet that he wore in the eighties, but second was, um, over curving that stick in the 1993 finals against the Habs. I mean, Let's not forget. Uh, so they they come out. They've taken over the plane. Cyrus has the gun. The gun, which, by the way, only had, would have a couple more bullets left in it because he shot a few of the convicts by accident. But then they, then they do – these guys are so precise. We learn later that Cyrus has studied the schematics of the plane. They got this whole thing figured out. And the first thing they do – and it's only a couple of them that have this plan, right? It's really only Cyrus and Ving Rhames and Dave Chappelle that have hatched this whole scheme – but for some reason, the first thing they do, the plane is loaded with maniacs, loose cannons, like guys that do not really play the team game. The first yeah, thing they, the first thing they do is undo everybody's handcuffs and let them out of their <laughs> seats. Like, I feel like, hey guys, look, yeah, we're convicts, we've taken this over, but we're just gonna let you guys chill where you are, so we yeah. can when run we this. get to. When we get to the final destination, then we can talk about freedom. Yeah. And what's the first thing that rapist Danny Trejo d- does? He runs over and he tries to rape the guard, who's uh, the one female guard who's handcuffed to the back of the plane. Yeah. And uh, one thing I noticed, maybe it was during the fight or something, was Danny Trejo, literally every person in the entire movie towers over him. Yeah, I think he's been shot with weird camera angles his whole yeah. life. He's tiny. Yeah, oh, he's like really tiny. I don't, Jason. I don't think you've ever appeared in anything with him. But I, I did. S- he has a taco place here in L.A., and I saw him on the local news pro- promoting it. And he was like much shorter than the female news reporter. He is like five three. Wow extremely I tiny. mean he's always a tough guy I mean Desperado yes. he's awesome like but no he's he's tiny very little shorter than Tom Cruise 
Um, and then we get to the part where the DEA guy, the D, uh, so Dave Chappelle's letting everybody out of their seats and the DEA guy's dressed like a con. So they let him out and he pulls out his gun and then takes, um, Dave Chappelle hostage. Mr. Jitters. Yeah. Mr. Jitters. Yeah. And he's, and immediately, so then there's like this gun face off situation and here's Nicolas Cage who could just stay out of it, but he intervenes on behalf of the cons basically where he's like, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. This is a big mistake. He's like telling the DEA guy with a gun, Hey, don't do this. And then of course the guy immediately gets shot. Right. Yeah. And during that shootout, I noticed of all these super hardened criminals and then cage and his, his roommate cellmate, um, there's an old dude who looks like Hans Klopek from the Burbs. Saw that. There's like a super old guy. I think maybe he's one of the guys that get killed. He, rem- gets killed, he reminds me of, I think it's Mr. Brown in Reservoir Dogs. There's just like, oh, yeah. there's just like one old guy that doesn't really have any lines and he's not really in any scenes, but he's part of the gang and he's there. And I think he gets shot during the shootout. Yeah, but- I think he doesn't even survive. But like, what was... What was the point of that what, guy? Why was he there? And this and this guy's there. We learn he gets to be like he's 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 like Cyrus the virus, and then old guy. Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah, it's an older gentleman and, and, was also on the plane. Way, yeah. By the way, during all this stuff, I'm not even sure if it's before or after the DE agent gets it, but during all this stuff, something happens that is seemingly very minor and the fact that you forgot to even mention it brian is is kind of a test of how uh just little little this seems but it ends up being maybe the most crucial thing in the plot that basically um it it changes uh nick cage's motivation and it keeps him on the plane the The freaking syringe is stepped on yeah or the syringe is ruined that is able to get the diabetic friend his necessary uh medicine yeah that is sort of the MacGuffin. his diabetic friend yeah his His diabetic friend who he cares so much about that he gave a fucking snowball to (laughs) right interesting product placement (laughs) there (laughs) doritos and snowballs he's like Honey, thank you for sending all these delicious treats. All my friends really like these treats you've been sending me. And then he then he throws his buddy a snowball. It's like a slow motion close up of snowballs and tre- uh, Doritos. And it might be that might be he might be a, a type two diabetic, and he got di- <laughs> yes. diabetes in prison yes. because of snowballs. Also, <laughs> the way he hands it over, he just hands it over. From his fingertips, not the understood method of how you deliver a snack to somebody by uh, uh, motioning the package towards them so they can reach in and grab their own. He's just like, here, and he shoves it at him with his fingers. Gross. Dear Hummingbird, today I gave someone diabetes. (laughs) Yeah. But but wouldn't you agree that that somehow the the syringe being damaged – that, that the entire creates movie. the entire plot it of does. the rest of the movie. Yeah, it absolutely does. I left that part out. And it is kind of weird where he's like on the bus and he's like, hey, I didn't get my insulin. And they're like, we'll do it on the plane. I'm like, that seems like a bad idea. Like just foreshadowing. <laughs> it's like give him his insulin in the airport. Like I don't think I you feel have like they just had a whole bunch of scenes like filmed or like plotted out. Yeah. And then they said to Bruckheimer, they're like, all right, but why would he stay on the plane? They're like, I, I, I don't know. Come up with something. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, broken vial. 
Bro- broken insulin vial. That's it. We're good. That's the whole movie. We're good. Uh, so they they decide that their plan is that they're going to land at the same airport they were planning to land at because the their whole the whole idea is that they need to collect somebody from that airport and luckily there's a sandstorm in Carson City which I don't feel like is the best idea for a plane to land in but they do but then it bl- everyone's able to cover their faces with ponchos and goggles and uh, there's you know so there's no um, confusion there. And, uh, and, and Nick Cage goes to get off the plane, but he needs the picture of his daughter back. And this is, I don't know if this is in the library of Congress or if they borrowed a little bit from the bard, because when he wants the picture of his daughter back, he says, where'd you put my daughter's picture? You shit eating peckerhead. Wow. Really just. <laughs> he was, he was a dick. Like yeah. you remember, he he was taunting um, yeah. Billy Bedlam. Like he was he was he was a dick yeah. with bad lines. Yeah, a bit of an asshole. So they pick up the prisoners. Luckily, one of the prisoners they pick up happens to be a pilot. And, MC Gamey. Yeah, and the other one is Jesse from Fame, and also Cruz from Blood in Blood Out, Bound by Honor. <laughs> I mean, what a star! Uh, I like I yeah. like that MC Ganey, like he shows up and he of course has to be like the creepy dude. I yeah. was thinking like Swamp Thing. I bet he showed I bet he showed up and was like, I'd like to read for Vince Lark and they're like, you know what? We're <laughs> We're thinking more of Swamp Thing. <laughs> no, no, I, I could play a Marshall. I, I'm telling you. And they're like, nah, have you seen your face? Have you seen that facial hair? You're gonna be Swamp Thing. It's like, well, who's the other guy? Richard Keel. <laughs> like Richard yes, Keel. the Jaws. Yeah, Richard Keel was busy this week, so we're going to need MC Ganey. <laughs> uh, they also pick up Steve Buscemi, who's like kind of a um, a Hannibal Lecter character. He's, kind of? He's, um, he's got the mask on, and he's been – he like murders women and little girls, but he's still got a heart of gold. Like it's really yeah. like he's really the worst killer of all of them, but um, it's sort of played for laughs, which I thought was a weird choice. He's, he's delightful. <laughs> like as as a guy in this movie, if you take Great. out like his history, he's a delightful guy. He's like you best. would enjoy being around him. He has he has uh, funny quips. He's 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 like a delightful guy. Yeah. So in so but in he the- said they but they said like one of the things they said bad about him is that he wore a head for a hat, or he said it. Yeah. I wore a head for a hat for three states. Yeah. How, how do you wear that for a hat? How would you even do that? You'd have to get some pe- – like go to Michael's or something and get a piece of elastic and sort of maybe affix it to the like earrings. Like a big giant rubber band? Yeah, you could like, fix it to the earrings of the head and then pull it down under your chin like a chin strap and then you could wear it that way. But still, I feel like it would be hard. It's like you've thought this out, right? <laughs> it seems like it would be hard to get it to balance on your head. Maybe just like the skull portion of the head. Just the oh, skull yeah, cap. Right. Right, right. A um, literal skull cap. Yeah. So they do the trade and they're like, the t- they're waiting a while. They're trying to take off. Dave Chappelle t- decides he wants to go romance some broad um, out in another hangar he, where he's like, you're the prettiest girl I've seen in five to 10. <laughs> Pretty good <laughs> line. Uh, he's like romancing some chick. And eventually Larkin, John Cusack, realizes something is happening, but he's still at the first airport that they took off from. And he's like, 
Hey, he calls the marshal on the scene and he's like, Hey, those, the, those aren't, um, those aren't guards. Those are cons. And the, um, the guards reaction is, <sighs> Jesus Christ. Like he's really like an inconvenience. Yeah. He's, he's like, put out. I guess like if you're saying that this plane is being hijacked, I'll do something about it. And then he goes over without even having his gun out and is immediately shot in the head by Cyrus, the virus. Yeah. And what, um, and did you notice Cusack's friend? She looks like an attractive woman, yeah, but she's got the haircut. Kurt Warner wife haircut. Yes. Yeah, she's kind of got going with the, the Bridget Nielsen look. Yeah. And so I looked her up. I was like, I feel like she, is a like a hot like a real actress and she has been in some stuff she was in um she was she was the chick who left adam sandler and the wedding singer oh right yes i remember her and she it says she appeared in several episodes of friends i don't know who she is but but she had a real career but like, yeah, they're like, yeah, just dress like Kurt Warner's wife and oh, we'll she, just put you next. To she's Cusack. on Ray Donovan or she was. I don't watch that show, but she's been yeah. on it. She's done the yeah. rounds, but she's attractive. Yeah, but I like, she's kind of hot. They told her to look like Kurt look like Warner's a cop. Wife. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then the, the plane, what happens? Um, the plane takes and off. And they're like, um, so the DEA agent who kind of like is making the most sense of anyone where they're like, what should we do? And he's like. Shoot it down. Yeah. Like, just, okay. Well, it's just, it's just filled with criminals at this point. Like just this shoot is, it. Why don't we right, just shoot it down? The, when you're making an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, well we fucked up. It's they've taken it over, but what we can do is we have all these Apache attack helicopters here. Let's just scramble them and we'll just go up there and shoot it down. And John Cusack's like, no, we can't. Right. Cameron, Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe's on the. He's like, we have Cameron Poe. He can help us. But no, well, okay, I. So what? The guy I couldn't even pick a good lawyer. Yeah. Why? Why could he help you? Odd turn. It was an odd turn. Jason Stewart. It, so Cusack's. That's that's a huge part of this plot. Him not wanting to shoot it down. It obviously extends the movie and everything else. But like, was he trying to save the innocent guards on the plane? Despite this point the fact that there Poe. were lunatics and cons riding this plane. And I think at some point he also has some sentimentality for the actual plane, the metal. Like, <laughs> don't shoot down my plane. <laughs> the old plane that like doesn't yes. that can only fly a hundred feet in the air. It means yeah. it has a lot of sentimental value to me. <laughs> I love that jailbird. <laughs> let's let's just not shoot down. But so uh, the um the DEA oh so one plot point is that Dave Chappelle had gotten had taken the transponder. Swamp Thing gets in and he gets in the pilot seat and he immediately undoes like three wires and unhooks the transponder and he's like here and gives it to Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle goes to another hangar and puts it in another plane and it's like a tour plane and that that plane takes off and then like two minutes later the Apache attack helicopters take off. And yet they don't catch up to the plane with the transponder in it for like 30 <laughs> minutes later in the movie. It's a half hour to catch it's, up. They're all the way to the Grand Canyon before, <laughs> the, way. before the Apache attack helicopters with their turbo jets can, uh, can catch up to the prop plane. Yes, to, Jason. To continue the, the narrative that no one cares or regards what Cusack says the entire movie – 
Cusack's like, wait a minute, there's a ruse. Something's going on. It's not that plain. And the DE agent's like, come on. We're, yeah. we're, we're going after the transponder. Like, these guys were smart enough to take over a plane. He completely dismisses the the yes. actual uh, chance that they may have switched out a transponder. Right. And then he turns off the radio. He's like, yeah, fuck off. And he just cl- clicks, turns off the radio, hangs up on him. Because yeah. he hates other branches of the uh, the government. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he hates all other law enforcement. He hates. He pretty much hates everyone but DEA. Yeah. So the plane's in the air, and he's like, the swamp thing's like, okay, we can get there, and I don't can't remember how long, but he's like, if the um, if we do two hundred twenty eight miles an hour, he's like, but we're only doing two hundred five because there's something wrong with the landing gear. It's a drag. It's the drag. The drag. Yeah. So they send Ving Rames down to check out the landing gear, but he tells Cameron Poe to come do it for him. Then they go down there, and it's Dave Chappelle. They had ditched Dave Chappelle earlier, and he was chasing after the plane. And it was pretty impressive because it's like when somebody runs right runs next to a train in a movie, you're like, yes. whoa, that's amazing. Like Trains can move pretty fast. But he was running just as fast as the plane. And I know the plane is old. He was running just as fast as the plane as it was reaching um, takeoff speed on the on the on-ramp or on the uh, – uh, yes, but you have call? to understand this plane is like Amelia Earhart times. This it's is the oldest old. plane in history. It's pretty old, but I, I bet it could still it would still need yeah. to get like fifty or sixty miles an hour. Dave Chappelle it could off. probably jump higher than this plane flies, yes. maximum altitude. Well, we find out what happened to Dave Chappelle because he uh, uh, badly rendered. They did not get the Star Wars guys. They did not get Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't go to uh, yeah to Who's Northern California. Rick, Rick Jacobs, Baker. who's the Baker. Rick Baker that did Freddy Krueger. They didn't get him. They just got like whoever was around to take like a dummy of a bald black guy and put it in the landing gear. To which I say this was, was Dave Chappelle so in demand that you couldn't have him on set for one more day to play dead in the landing gear. <laughs> this was before nutty professor when he played Reggie. Yeah, like he could have, you could have just had been like, "Hey, we need one more scene out of you, Dave. Hang around. We're gonna shoot it tomorrow, uh, and we just need you to play dead." But no, they used a very fake looking dummy that um, Nicholas Cage had to free. But before he freed it from the landing gear, what does he do? He writes a what note. He wrote, writes a oh, note yeah. to the marshal. He has a sharpie for some reason, or there's a sharpie around, and he takes. Right. He takes a sharpie. Maybe he was expecting to get autographs on this flight. Like, why did why does he have a sharpie? I don't know why. I don't know where the sharpie came from. But he writes on Dave Chappelle's shirt, "Hey Larkin." He apparently knows. He remembers the the marshal's name. Hey Larkin, the plane is not headed to where you think it is. Right? He gives him a heads up as to what's going on, and then he pushes Dave Chappelle out of the um, plane, and he lands on a car in the middle of a busy metro area, which is an odd turn of events, right? The old couple in the Volvo. Yeah, it's a Volvo. And and wouldn't you think being dropped from a plane, even though this thing only goes, you know, 75, 80 feet in the air, yeah. wouldn't you think that his body would <laughs> make it tough to read? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There'd be some blood, like they'd be like trying to read his t shirt and it would not it would not go well. I feel like they would like cut his t shirt off right away or that he had a jacket over the t shirt. So I don't feel like they they would have read the note as quickly as we're led to believe. Uh, then for some reason, think about it. Yeah. Think, think this through. Think, let's, let's, let's break down the, the thinking of this scene. The, 
first of all, they didn't show what, what Cage could have written in that short amount of time that would have summed everything up and made all the sense in the world. I, I have no idea what he could have possibly written on that T-shirt. The guy uh, drops out of the sky onto a uh, car in a, in a, a random city, yeah. and some law enforcement officer sees uh, Agent Larkin and is able to to yes. somehow in minutes get Agent Larkin on the phone. It's crazy to tell him this message. You know when they discover that, like three days later at the morgue, they'd be like, "Yes, who's, who's this Larkin? Hey, guy? look at this! This guy must have been really crazy." Uh, so yeah, then John Cusack, he's like, he's like, I know I can get to this if Poe can help us. So he goes and finds Cameron Poe's wife, Monica Potter and the kid. And he has like a and meeting. brings the daughter into the yeah, meeting, brings the daughter into the meeting. And he's like, what do you, what do you, he had a chance to get off that plane. Is there anything you can think of that would have made him stay? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, but if you see Cameron, well, that's kind of a weird thing. I mean, he's in a plane that's probably going to crash or get shot down. I don't, I don't think John Cusack is going to run into him. It's, it's kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. Hey, if you see him and she said, like, tell him I love him or something. I think he knows. Like, I don't know. I don't know that John Cusack's going to see him. And I don't I, I don't think he's concerned that you don't love what? him just because he didn't make it home. But why'd they have the daughter in the meeting? It's like, a little weird. that's where that's where you say to uh, Kurt Warner's wife, be like, Hey, let her make some uh, hand turkey in the photocopier. Like, you know, like do do that. Like, get her out of here. Show her your badge for a while. Uh, uh, so yeah, then he then um, I can't remember why, but Cameron Poe's back in the hold of the the cargo hold of the plane where the real that real bad guy like Burnham or whatever his name is that Billy did, Bedlam B- Billy Bedlam that did all the he murders. A, a super sleuth who figures yes. everything out with yes. Poe. He's got he's Fucking- got. He's got it Sherlock all worked Holmes out. All He's like, hey, you said you had 15 more years, but you were on a different – you were on the wrong cell block and this whole – Yeah, I don't recognize you. Yeah, I don't – And, and like by you, the way, guys, yeah. by the way, why does any of this matter? Why does it matter yeah. that he's going home soon? What? How could that – possibly uh, right. interfere with any of their plans. Yeah. What's yeah. What makes you think that makes him want to be a hero? But the problem is, is that Billy Bedlam has Cameron Poe's. He's gotten into Cameron Poe's personal effects in the down below. And he's got the bunny. There's that bunny again. And he's holding the bunny and Cameron Poe's like, put that bunny, put that bunny back in the box. I'm yeah. actually not doing it justice because my bad yeah. southern accent is much better than. Oh, it's it's ten times better. You have to uh, you have to uh, somehow try to bring up the voice of a general that lost at Shiloh and say <laughs> yes. Put, yeah. put the bunny back in yeah, that's it. the box. That's why that's why that's Jason it. Stewart's a highly compensated. He's a fucking actor. A-list He's a actor. pro. Yeah, um, and so then. Um, Cameron Poe fucks up Billy Bat Bedlam. And that that and- fight scene, I, I don't know what actually happened, but I just put a note. It seems like Bedlam is mounting him. So <laughs> yeah, I guess did. if you go back and watch it, I guess at one point it looks like Bedlam's having his way with him. Eventually, um, Cameron Poe does impale him on uh, some random pipe that's sticking out. Also, the very roomy cargo area in the DC-9. Also, very roomy... Uh, passenger area i mean a lot of space in there it's almost like a warehouse the prisoners were given first class yeah they really were much better than a southwest flight i'll tell you that 
with many different sections with secured doors. Yes, yeah, a yes. lot, yeah, a lot of gates, a lot of locking areas. Very comfortable. Um, so, uh, yeah, he kills Billy Bedlam, and then then we run to the part where the the helicopters finally catch up to the tour plane and almost collide with it. Like you figure they would be able to get visual confirmation without actually running into the plane, but then they realize, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess, I guess, right. Uh, yeah, it's I a guess good point. These these guys are are military trained pilots. Right. Like they would know, even if they're trying to take down the enemy, their mission wouldn't be to collide with them. Right. And in the meantime, um, John Cusack has figured out. Oh, they're going to this other like semi abandoned airfield. Learner. Yeah, Learner air, Airfield. That's just over here. And he's like, I need a. I need a plane or a helicopter and everyone's like nah sorry nope can't do it so he jumps in the 66 corvette stingray and races over there and despite the fact that an airplane had a 30 minute head start on him somehow (laughs) he was able to race over there quickly in a corvette and arrive with a great deal of time to spare before the before the plane showed up so it's it's an this is an amazing movie. I got to remind everyone. Yes. This is it's really this, good. like this might actually be my favorite movie of the 90s. And that includes Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's really good. So the, then he's there and he's like figuring out, oh, someone's been there before. Like the tower guy has been murdered and a plane's coming in for a landing. And the pilot of that plane has a whole bunch of Schlitz cans on the dashboard of the airplane, <laughs> which doesn't seem like maybe the safest way. Unless you're um, Patrick – who's the guy from Dirty Dancing? Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Swayze. Who likes to drink? Uh, R.I.P. Who used to like to drink and fly? Doesn't seem like really the best idea to be up there in your Cessna and drinking Schlitz, yeah. unless you're flying in 1975. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, standard practice. Yeah. So they, um, so eventually the plane lands, but it has like a bumpy landing, almost collides with the Schlitz guy, and it like buries itself in the sand. And so, and they're, they're there to meet the, um, Jesse from fame, also Cruz from blood in blood out bound by honor. Um, he's like, he's like some big time drug dealer and he's supposed to meet a jet there. That's going to Samino. Samino. What is it? Yeah. To fly him. Yeah. To fly. He's got a French braid. Yeah, he does. They're going to fly him to Mexico. Also, I feel like these movies play it fast and loose with the no extradition. They're like, we're going to a no extradition country. First of all, I don't think there are any of those anymore. Yeah, how many, how many are left? And like secondly, if I feel like you would be able to work something out with the governor of, or the uh, president of whatever country, if a bunch of your ex cons showed up and they were on their beach, they might want to be like, get rid of those people. So I don't, I feel like, you that, know what? We're going to, we're going to change policy. Yeah. We, we are going to extradite. Seeing as how you guys are all murderers and rapists and shit. I don't think I'm going to want you kicking back on my beach, but thanks. Um, so a yeah. little, little uh, tip. Cause I looked it up. Lerner airfield is actually in Utah. And it is famous for being the airfield where Fat Man and Little Boy tested their planes. Wow. Yeah, a little interesting. With Ed with the big history lesson. Yeah. Um, so what happens after that? They have a oh, so the um they're like worried that the that the guys aren't gonna show up. So and they see but hang on, hang on yeah. about the the when they were in the the control tower, I guess um yeah. what's his name? Cusack. Yeah. 
This looks like a an airplane graveyard. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's kind of like where um, Can't Buy Me Love. What's the guy's name in that? Yes, yes, yeah. Patrick. Uh, or what's it? Uh, Arnold. Ronald. Ronald, Ronald Miller. Ronald Miller go, would go on his dates. Like that's, that's just, right. That's where he takes Amanda Peterson. Yet. Yeah. Yet there was a guy working the Very the yes. control tower also, and was murdered. Uh, yes. Also, there was a restaurant there with a sandwich ready to go in the window. Like that's right, and was, a first aid box with with yes. onions and chicken feet. Yeah, it was a functioning. It was a functioning airport that just happened to have like fuselages three feet from the runway for some reason. And uh, don't forget. Yeah. And don't forget that there was a home with a uh, five-year-old girl without their parents. Yes, don't, right. Don't living that right next that. door to, the, to Lerner. Again, yeah. this movie does sort of play it fast and loose with the child murder because known child murderer Steve Buscemi wanders off, and right next to the airport, there's like a trailer park with a little girl sitting in a drained pool playing with her dolls, and he sits down to play with her, and the, the what you're made to think is, hey – he could probably kill her, and it's just real cute that he's going that he may or may not kill her. Um, but yeah, they're playing together. And how about how about we've already established the Mexican guy is the rapist, right. the black guy is militant, and what does the gay guy go do at Lerner? Oh, he immediately goes. Sally and finds can't a, dance. He, what was he, he looking for? He immediately goes and finds a dress to put on. Like the, the most <laughs> pressing thing he can think of. Is he needs going a dress to and finding a dress to wear so he can he can cross dress yes um but then eventually i want to get to this eventually there's a uh, there's a very important face off between the two heavyweights of the movie of course i'm talking about cameron poe and john cusack there cameron poe is like running around looking for insulin needles for bubba gump and they uh they eventually run into each other in the hangar where the Colombians have stashed their Learjet and they have this face off and I have the clip here. Let's check it out. They're, they're both facing each other with guns. Cameron Poe. That's right. I'm Larkin. Hello, Larkin. I got your message. Where are the troops? They'll be here. They'll be here. Huh? In a minute. Listen, Poe. Can I lower this? Go ahead. You're going to lower yours? Sorry, boss, but there's only two men I trust. One of them's me. The other's not you. Sick fucking line, by the way. Mm-hmm. By the way. Yes. By the way. Yes. He, he refers to that line at, again at the end of the movie. Yes. Who's the guy that he, that he trusts? He doesn't Is that tell us. He doesn't tell us. Is it Baby-O? He doesn't tell us. Does he we trust baby O? I don't know. Does, we don't know. I wouldn't trust a guy eating snowballs with diabetes. No. And also, the guy must have done something because he's locked up in prison for an That's, extended period of time. He's nowhere close to getting parole. No. But they never reveal who that other guy is, no, which is an don't. odd part of the it is of this weird. movie. You figure they would let us know. Drag on everyone. Yeah. Can't trust a South American drug lord. Who can you trust, huh? Another sick line. That was a joke. I'm glad you told me. Now I gotta get back to the plane. You're a free man, Poe. What are you doing? I can't trade a friend's life for my own lock, and that's all. You got a friend on board. See, I knew I was right about you. I read your file. You're not such a bad guy, just always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Goodbye, Locken. I mean, he was in a place where guys tried to murder him. I spoke to your wife. Oh. Oh. Monica Potter. He's got a he's got something. Some words for her. In person, 
in person. How's she looking? She keeping that body tight? I told her, stay off those carbs. Saw Casey. This thing goes bad, Lockton. I'm afraid my daughter won't understand. If you talk to my wife again, you tell her I love her. She's my hummingbird. Okay. I love her. She's my hummingbird. She's my hummingbird. You, you tell her. You tell her I love her. We lost forty-eight thousand great men at the siege of Vicksburg. <laughs> Probably gonna probably gonna lose my leg because of the green that I suffered drinking I'm, bad coffee. I'm biting on a wooden spoon right now. What? But hummingbird, like my my teddy bear, my bunny rabbit, like something soft. Bird, my ki- birds and I'm, I'm my kitty I'm cat. Stealing this. Birds are sky garbage. Yes, I know. I know you hate birds. Uh, it's just a weird. It's just a weird animal to to have your wife be your little hummingbird i just i just i just thought that was odd um so wh- i think it might be by the way i think that might be a commentary on her or, or like oral sex skills really? i don't know what it is but <laughs> she's fast maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, now, all, she's always um, moving her flapping her wings now I've, she, maybe I've, just she just kind of floats around it and pecks at it. She, she puts, doesn't she quite puts her, get on it. She puts her beak <laughs> into the stamen. Maybe maybe he's talking about her uh, her, her she's, rimming. She's doing abilities. a new technique. Yeah yeah maybe she's flaps her arms real fast and pecks away. Maybe Cameron Poe likes a little ass play, and maybe <laughs> maybe his wife uh, Monica Potter Trisha maybe she provides that ass play, and maybe she does it like a little hummingbird. You ever think about um, that? She gets her about, tongue going in and out real fast. Back. That's how they get the that's how they get the pollen out of there. They go and maybe that's what Trisha that's, does to Cameron Poe on his I anus. Think, I think we have her cold open. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh now I like the scene, I, I don't know if we're before or after it, the scene where they see like in the distance. Yes, oh the, no, the we're after part. it, but yes, yes, I like the scene too. And he calls in Ving Rames. Yep. And Ving Rames does some serious algebra. Like yeah. he goes, I mean, he he goes. Well, how 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 far do you think they're out? And like without even thinking, he goes about ten to twelve minutes. Like whoa! Yes. Like the train's traveling at six hundred miles an hour. Like he does this instantaneously, yeah, ten to twelve. And it's like. Whoa, Diamond Dog, you you could have been the next Stephen Hawking. <laughs> like, why would you believe him? He's like, 10 minutes, maybe 12. 10 to 12, 10 to 12. And then, and then sure enough, like 10 to 12, they show up. And and which which was the path? Completely open desert. Where do the cop cars go? In uh, the one, the one, like, yes. trap. He lays out a plan where he's like, okay, they're going to come this way, which is like right through a gauntlet. And he's like, we'll just stand at one side and shoot you, shoot the guys in the back, and we'll shoot the guys in the front. And I'm, and you're like, wait, do they have to drive that way? Like, it's, it's not desert. It's Isn't not it? Mogadishu. It's, it's flat everywhere. They could drive in any direction they want. And they're like, no, no, no. They're going right through <laughs> yes. the one path with like, Dead planes everywhere. The tightest paths loaded with ambushes on either side. 
Um, so yeah, this, um, what else is going on there? Oh, I mean, they, they, they spend their, their 10 to 12 minutes very economically, um, as six men with ropes, try to pull a plane that's been grounded <laughs> they, into dirt. They dig, that's a, a very economical way to spend that 10 minutes. They dig the plane out, and for some reason, they just have tons of block and tackle everywhere. They're able to like rig the plane, and for, even though Magnus Ver Magnuson could do this by himself, there's for, like for 10 to 12 minutes, they get a lot accomplished. They, they, really they do. Get, well, the, the plane was really buried. I don't feel like it would have buried itself in the, it was going pretty slow when it crashed. Um, but they are able to, with ropes and the strength of a few cons and a tractor, they're able to pull the, uh, they're able to pull the, um, the plane out of the sand. And they're, and one then, of the themes of the movie is MC Ganey doesn't really master the landing. <laughs> no, he's really, he's only right. asked to do it twice and both times. <laughs> he, he does a poor to quite poor job yes, on both. He's not, he's more of a takeoff and, and fly the plane guy. He seems to do okay when they're in the air. He likes the glory. He does not like the the technical part. I'm guessing. I'm guessing in that initial crash where they buried themselves in dirt. The reason why all that happened is because they probably grinded down the uh, the the wheels, the 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 landing device. But all of a sudden, once they salvaged the plane out of the dirt in that ten to twelve minutes, they have wheels again to take off somehow. Um, yeah, it, oh, that's right. They have to replace tires every time, right? Yeah, that is that is a good point. Um, so they they all end up back on the plane, and the plane is able to take off. But what about the great death line? Right. So who when, does he? Uh, who does to me, to, I forget the the Colombian guy. Right. Torino. Torino. He goes. Cruise, cruise from blood in, blood out, bound by honor. Yep. Yeah. He goes, sigh. And then what, what does uh, oh, uh, yeah. Malkovich say? Anara. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty sick. A commando-esque death line. Really, really good. Um, they get in the plane. I just want to play this clip. We have a traitor in our midst. So sigh. just finally, like the guy's got two degrees and he's a criminal genius. And he only just now realizes that somebody is working with the PD and so he wants to call out who's oh it's wait as soon as they get back on the plane despite just like barely surviving with their lives they're throwing a huge party on the plane and somehow there's a sound system on there and they're playing sweet home alabama it's a pretty good sound system yeah it's just like like they're they're bumping the gay guy is in his or is he is he trying is he trans? We didn't have that back then. I'm not sure what he is, but he has a dress on. Sally can't dance. I don't know. I don't know his um, pronoun. I don't know if he's non-binary. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. I mean, Steve Buscemi, he kills children, but he's so lovable. He's oh, delightful in this So movie. somebody finds, Ving Rhames, Diamond Daryl, finds... Uh, finds for some reason they all have time to be going through um cameron poe's personal effects there's all sorts of there's all sorts of cargo down there but they've keyed in on his box which clearly has nothing of value in it but he finds a note from his daughter that's like my daddy's coming home on a certain day very big 
interior of this plane. You'd be shocked. Like you walk, go watch Green. What's that? Garland Green is holding like he got the new Ken doll from the yes. the girl. Yeah. And I was wondering when you live inside an empty swimming pool by <laughs> Lerner Airfield. Are you giving away your dolls like that? We I mean you probably don't have much. That's like a good point. Where, where did she get the Ken doll? What are we supposed to assume happened with her and 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 him? Well, she what, waves. What is, she waves goodbye. That? Yeah, they didn't have. They, they. She. She felt good. She. It's, she waved goodbye to the plane. So clearly, like, she was happy with their encounter. He's reformed I just don't, I don't, from his murdering. I don't get that. I don't. I don't get that part of the movie. Why show that he's a, a, a that he's a good guy? He's I mean, got. What, a, he's got a heart of, of gold. He talks at some point in the movie about that, like. The need to kill versus, or the like, being pushed to kill. So I guess he felt like he didn't need to kill that girl. Maybe there's a sequel here. I don't know. Oh, and so you see, Ho looks up and he sees. Oh, it's a boombox. Oh, they have beer. Where'd they get beer? Um, Poe looks up and he sees Diamond Daryl and Cyrus. Diamond the Dog. Black. Diamond Dog, they're they're having a chat and they're looking at him and it's like the universal symbol, like, oh, those people are talking about me. Someone alerted the authorities at Carson City. Someone told them about our learner rendezvous. Someone even killed poor Billy Bedlam. Now, could this all be coincidence? Perhaps. Then someone went and tied a rope to our plane. So I ask you, what is going on? And I answer, we have a traitor in our midst. Now, how do we flush a traitor? I don't know, but at the count of three, I will find out who is on my team and who is not. That would be one, two, wait, it was me. It was me. Bubba Gump volunteers as the traitor. Even though he's not. He's doing it for his buddy Cameron Poe. You have been near death the entire trip. Yeah, motherfucker, it was me. No, he's he slipped out, man. He's nuts. It's pretty clever, huh, bitch? Jesus! Gets a gut shot for his trouble. Clever. This John Malkovich. Is I will amazing. say. So I will good. say. This is the most realistic part of the movie. Yeah. Little kids are super boring in everything they write. <laughs> like yes. when you read your kids' homework, Very anytime stupid. there's creative writing, it's this. They <laughs> repeat the same fucking facts over and over again. Yeah. Um, again. Yeah. I'm gonna keep going back to this. I'm gonna keep calling calling them out for this plot line. I. Is it me or? Is it a giant leap to think that just because a guy is getting out of prison, he is sabotaging the entire thing? Like to me, he's if a I'm getting out of prison and I smell freedom, he's a ranger. I'm gonna just I'm gonna go with the flow. I'm gonna go along to no, get along. Don't, they I, don't I, leave I, a man I, behind. But guess what, Jason? He doesn't love his wife. I think that's what this movie's about. He, he doesn't likes care a black about that. But he likes a black guy with diabetes well, more than he likes his wife. He does. The way he's got a wife and a daughter he's never met, and he doesn't even pretend to care about the them. way he embraces 
uh, guard Bishop at the end, who's kind of hot. Yeah. Makes you wonder. She was, she was fucking Paul Newman in Fort Apache, the Bronx. She was hot. She, she planted one right on his cheek and it seemed like they had a connection. There was Uh, tension. So the, there you go. The, um, Larkin's like, okay, land the plane at, um, somehow they get control of the plane. This, um, this. Well, yeah, there's, a, there's another scene yeah. where the D agent says, now we're going to blow up the plane. There's oh, no right. reason possibly to salvage That's this. Right. And they have this big dramatic scene, and somehow Cusack gets in front of the missiles, and yeah, he yeah. talks them down from blowing up the plane. I'm Great still point. not sure why they had to not blow up the plane. They so, But it doesn't matter. So he's like, you can land at Las Vegas Airport. And meanwhile, Swamp Thing's like, oh, no, we only have one engine and no gas. Like, I feel like they would. He might have wanted to let somebody know that earlier. He's like, so I would I'm gonna- say of, of yeah. all the cities that yeah. I've flown to, yeah, Las Vegas is the closest to the actual airport. It's yes. true. The airport's just at one end of town. Uh, so he's like, I can't make the airport, but I can land on the strip, which is weird because the airport is just right by the strip. Like it's. I've, if you could stay in the air for like 12 seconds longer, you could probably land. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm coming down on the strip. Then he takes off the, there's some logistics issues here. He takes off the, um, the guitar neck of the sign at the hard rock, which is miles from the strip. The hard rock is I not saw, on the, on the strip. I saw a blog where somebody broke down the consistency errors in this movie yes. and they, they specifically did a blow by blow of all the Vegas things that were torn down, and it makes zero sense geographically. <laughs> right. You know what also makes zero sense? I saw a blog that broke down Rocky's run, oh, where yeah. he does the famous run, and they're like, he ran the equivalent of thirty six miles yes. in that morning <laughs> yeah. run. Yeah. So yeah, there is. So they crash in the strip. They're rolling down the Fremont experience. Meanwhile, they're in a plane crash. Nobody has seatbelts on, and Cameron Poe and uh, Cyrus the Virus are like fighting, and they're like fine, like they're ba- they're not losing their balance or anything. Like everything's like it, they may as well just be on the land. Um, they're because it doesn't really matter that they're in a plane that's crashing. Um, you know, they're they can just stand there and fight, and then one of the propellers breaks off from the airplane and slices right through the fuselage, which sort of breaks up their fight, but doesn't injure any of them. There's no like yeah. shrapnel. There's nobody no, on like, the plane got injured. No, no, but, one, no one got hurt. And they were in a bad plane. Like, crash. You have to think crashing on the strip, probably a lot of death. Oh, for sure. Which means Colomini. Yeah. Colomini like was right. We should have exactly. just shot down the plane. Like think of how many people died during the strip. And the, it was, the propeller. Oh, yeah. It was, and they acknowledged that actually in some dialogue at the end of the movie. And you know what? I, I found an interesting fact about this, by the way, because the plane ends up stopping at the Sands uh, Hotel Casino. The Sands was going to be demolished, and they actually allowed this movie to do some of the demolishing. That all those, like, uh, that was actual scene. That was right. the actual right. casino. Because they, they were tearing down, they were imploding that hotel. Right. That's great. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't Cyrus survives and Swamp Thing and um Ving Rames. 
and they so you think the movie's over, like everyone's killed, but somehow they climb it sh- out. It should have been over for Christ's sake. They should have stopped there. They climb out the bottom of the plane and they get they instead of just they needed more Cusack. Instead of just mixing in with the crowd and just like disappearing, which probably would have been the move. What do they do? They steal a fire truck. And they go racing away and they don't just get, they don't get in the cab of the fire truck. Cyrus decides to ride on the ladder on the top of the fire truck for some reason. And of course, uh, Cameron Poe notices that. So he and John Cusack, they like run and they both jump on cop bikes, kind of like chips. And they like give each other like a wink as they're getting on. They're like, Hey buddy. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. And they bail out on the cop bikes and they chase the uh they chase the fire truck and Cyrus the virus is on the back of the fire truck. This is a little bit of a stretch for me. I don't know exactly the engineering of these things, but he starts right. blasting them with a stream of water. And I'm pretty sure those fire trucks need to be hooked up to a hydrant. <laughs> is, isn't that kind of the point of hydrants everywhere in yeah. every city in America? Like they might have a tank of water. They might have a minimal amount of water. and But I don't know that the, you know, like you would probably have to turn on generators and stuff to get the power to that cannon. And if it was just a tank, I mean, it would blast all the water out in like just one quick spurt. And meanwhile, he's really blasting them and he's not hooked up to any water that I could see. Now, sadly, <laughs> I... I think I just got really into the movie during the end because I have no real notes except for this one. Cusack is wearing sandals with socks throughout the movie. He is? What? Yes. I didn't notice that. He wore sandals with socks the entire movie. What? Yeah, that's what I took away from the final chase scene. Holy shit. Well, hold on. I have the fu- the end sequence here. Um, Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. That, that was your takeaway from the chase scene? You can play yes. the chase sequence. I have my thoughts on, on if, if that's your takeaway, it should have been this, but go ahead. Eventually, they chase him down. The fire truck crashes and Cyrus the virus. It, well, there's a battle. On, oh, wait. There's a battle on, aboard, the, um, aboard the moving fire truck. And... Uh, Nick Cage, Cameron Poe is like hanging from the back of the fire truck. At which point, Cyrus the virus starts trying to stab him with a ha- long harpoon, like like you would see on Moby Dick. It was like a l- very long stick with a pointy end on it, just exactly like you picture a harpoon. Oh, I have turned into Queequeg. Yes, and I'm like, I'm like. I don't feel like that is something that they would typically have on the average no, fire that's truck. The, I think that they explained that. The I saw it in the notes. The I saw it in the notes that um, the, the uh, creator said that that was the actual fire truck that was used in the movie Moby Dick. <laughs> oh, good point. Eventually, eventually Cameron Poe rests that thing away from, uh, from Cyrus the Virus and jams it completely impales through the leg, like through the calf, yeah. through the bone of it's Cyrus the Virus. Shot. And Cyrus the Virus is able to just pull it out and then stand back up like it was no problem. Like, oh, my leg just got impaled by a three-inch diameter sharp harpoon, but I'm good. And then he gets up, he rips it out of his leg, he gets up and he keeps on fighting, which I well, thought how was about, interesting. Yeah. How about the fact that uh, Cusack's exit from a uh, fire engine going 80 miles an hour is just to jump off. Yes. And yes. he kind of 
he kind of uh, impales himself onto a car, and then he's fine. He's fine for the rest of the movie. Same with Cameron Poe. The, 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 the fire truck goes out of control, and he leaps off at the end as it crashes, and he just like slides on the asphalt, and he's fine, <laughs> and a pile of money shoots in the air. And then, but poor Cyrus the virus, talk about bad luck. He falls on the ground just right at a spot where there happens to be like a big, heavy, uh, like an anvil type. One of those ground, groundbreaker things. Like I know because they're building an apartment building right next to mine and it's just constant pounding all day, every day for months. Yeah. it um, And that this Cyrus finally meets his demise as this thing smashes his head. Um, and look, here, I'll just play the, I'll just play the final sequence. You okay? No. Good. Glad we didn't shoot it down, huh? Oh, yeah, it worked out much better this way. Listen, I... I'm apologize about the car. I know a good body shop in Fresno. It's insured. I was born to that car. He, 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 nicely then. he totaled his 66 Stingray. This and, guy was a dick the whole movie. Yeah, another buddy. He destroys his expensive... Yeah. His car, and then he's like... You know what? I kind of like you. Now they're good. Yeah. And, and and by the way, by the way, the DEA agent had every right to hate the guy. He totaled his car, and he was right. They should have shot down the plane. The beginning. I hated that they made up at the end. That yeah. sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Um, and that there's this song is a weird choice. This Leanne Rhymes number. Well, if you think about the music throughout the whole movie, it's a little weird. Felt like Melrose Place. It was all yeah. like sultry, like yeah. Like, there was a lot of that. Action. It was yeah, weird. It was a, there was a lot of that. And here's Cameron Post finally sees his wife. I mean, his wife's pretty hot. She kept that body yes. together. Like you, you figure like he's been in the joint this whole time. She could have been eating pizza. She could have been drinking a lot of soda. But no, she's kept it lean. She's probably on that ketogenic diet. She's got a real fit body. She looks real good. You know what? Yeah. He decides he's gonna scare the shit out of his his daughter that he's never seen. Yeah, with this with the scary, with he, his bloody fucking yeah. sewer sewer fucking the bunny the the bunny that he just pulled out of the gutter. I meant to get a haircut. I meant to get a haircut. I got a present for you, Casey. Listen to that accent. Not good. A little dirty. A little dirty. Casey, sweetie, you take your daddy's present now. No, 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 honey, it's okay. I got like a ripped ear. Yeah. I got a picture of you too. I got a picture of you too. This is just a weird. I wonder how much Monica Potter got paid for this movie. This movie was going a hundred miles an hour into the last scene. Yeah, with a with a Leanne Rhymes jam, just doesn't fit. I'm I'm sorry, this present's a little dirty. It happened at the Battle of Fredericksburg when those Yankees (laughs) took out our left point. This Monica Potter is hot. What I am a big fan yeah what she's super attractive hold on i got the i got the she eyes. did she got some pat, uh she, she did some pat dramatic Adams. for a while she did some she what? got past oh yeah she was in pa- i think that might have been before this though uh monica hold on monica potter trisha poe she did that, that eagle uh show 
for a while. I forget what it was called. Boston Legal. 1971. She's not even that old. She's probably lying about Oh, she was on Parenthood. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch it, but that was successful. Yeah. Boston Legal. It was on for five years. Um, that's like her. Yeah, Boston Legal. Those are a couple big jobs. Oh, and then it, it actually closes with the true feel-good story of the uh, of the movie. I don't, and I don't get this scene at all. Someone explain to me why they needed to do this. What? The craps table? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. So John Cusack's sitting there, like, looking on. He's, like, real happy. And then I don't think I have it on the clip. But at the end, they close. And he's still wearing those prison whites. No, he's changed. No, he's gotten he's gotten some regular clothes. And... Um, no, he's wearing a jacket on top of oh, the prison whites. Is, is, yeah. yeah, he just puts like a sports coat on top of prison whites, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna sip a mai tai." Steve Buscemi, who had the Hannibal Lecter mask on when they put him on the plane, is the most dangerous murderer on the planet, and he's just they hanging didn't even out. trust playing, his mouth. Yeah, they didn't even yes, trust his mouth. Yes, he's playing craps, and the dealer's like, "Do you feel lucky?" And he's like, "Yes, I do. I really do." And he's he's got one of those big like mai tai cocktails that he's taking a sip of, and a chick next to him that it's implied could be his next victim. And so, <laughs> and I think that, and the creators of the movie are expecting the viewers to feel good. That the most dangerous criminal on the plane is now on the loose. Yeah, it's fine. No, and then it's they, good. They, it, it, it's all confusing. This whole the, take the arc of Steve Buscemi's character in this. No harm. He's no the worst. The worst human being. He has a little uh, session with a little girl that he's supposed to murder, and he doesn't. But he does. Now he's a now he's a great he's guy. That we're supposed to be happy that he's free. Of course we are. Yeah. I told you, he's the most delightful guy in the entire movie. Great dude. He's got great lines. Cameron Poe is a fucking prick. Yeah. He's taunting the Billy Bedlam in the cage, just a your cage, yeah. and he's giving shitty yes. letters to his family. Yes. He's not the good guy. No. The good guy of the movie is Garland Green. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a shocking who, turn of events. Who, by the way, is uh, his one of his moniker is the Marietta Murderer. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, is that like the Marietta down by Temecula? That's in no, Georgia. Georgia. Okay. Marietta. Not, Georgia. not Marietta. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else? That's how the movie ends. Anything else to add? Let's start with Jason Stewart. Jason. Well, um, I, again, I there are so many wrong things about this movie, and it's ridiculous by over wrong, the top right. 90s, 90s Bruckenheimer that you, you do need to put it in the context. Um, it, to me... Again, I watched it when it first came out, had almost forgotten about it, and then watched it again. There are so many things to make fun of. It's one of those movies. Um, but I will take exception to one thing that uh, that Ed said earlier, kind of a passing comment, but I really took offense to it. He, uh, after we analyzed this movie, I think Ed made the comment that th- now this might be his favorite movie of the 90s. And I put together like a list in my head. We're talking about a an amazing decade for movies. We're talking about, and you throw out Titanic, which made the most money of any movie until that next farce of a movie that Cameron did. But you're talking about the Shawshank Redemption. You're talking about LA Confidential, Swingers, Goodfellas, Fargo, Pulp Fiction. And then my favorite movie of the nineties, which I hope one day we could do kind of a recap of that boogie nights. Um, No, I say Con Air doesn't even 
spent the top 25. We can't, we can't do Boogie Nights because that's a good movie. I mean, there are things um, that sure. we could talk about in that movie, uh, but it's not much material. Yes, go. In my defense, uh, you understand I'm, I'm going with a little hyperbole. I mean, no, no, Ed, no, you were being sincere. Yes. And I took offense to it. <laughs> it's, Pulp Fiction is the greatest movie ever made. And like, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast like six months ago, I went ahead and watched uh, Citizen Kane. It was the worst fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather movie. watch My Girl it's than a, fucking oh Citizen Kane. Like, it was a terrible movie. Awful. How about you sit through Citizen Kane for three hours or whatever? And then awful. I, as an educated adult, didn't even understand what the hell the thing was at the end. Mm-hmm. What the hell is Rosebud? It's a sled. It's a It's a stupid sled. It's a horrible movie. It's All I will say is... You sign up for certain things, and this movie is popcorn. This is this is an amazing movie for that. This is a, a popcorn movie. Turn your brain off. Hundred miles an hour. There's no there's no character development. Everybody's the same. It's just wildness. <laughs> this is the best. I love this movie. Totally agree. It is a it is a popcorn picture. It's it's awful and it's great. And um, I've. It was not what I remembered. It was a little better. It was, I feel like they were going for jokes more than they let on. So it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, I think Cusack didn't realize it no, was a didn't. comedy. He didn't. He which didn't. was, which makes it better. There was, there was a lot of people cashing a check for this movie. That's for sure. Um, let's close with this. This is Orson Welles um, when he needed money doing um, wine commercials in the 1980s. <laughs> he directed Citizen Kane. He's the greatest filmmaker of all time. Do anything? No, sorry, he's he, he's hammered. One or two, take two. Ah, the French <laughs> champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. This is California champagne by Paul Masson, <laughs> inspired by that same French excellence. <laughs> It's fermented in the bottle and like the best French champagne. It's vintage dated. So poor my son. Stop. One or two, take three. Action, please. The French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. It's a California champagne by poor my son. Inspired by that same French excellence. He's drinking the champagne. In the bottle and like the best French champagne. It's vintage, dated. So poor Massant. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's, that's Orson Welles, the Amazing. auteur. The, the great auteur, Orson Welles. Okay, guys. Excellent job all the way around. Ed, once again, you've outdone yourself. This is your brainchild. It was very fun to revisit yeah, we'll, this movie. We'll do another one on the summer. Yeah, we'll we'll knock another one out here pretty soon. Jason Stewart, always stoked. The audience loves when you can join us. Thank you very much for being part of it. Loved it, man. Let's do it again. Guys, remember to remember our iTunes contest. iTunes rank, rate, and review the show there. Roast us in the iTunes comments and win Ed's book and an appearance on the show. Until next time. Oh, you know, oh, yes, uh, uh, hold on. Yeah. Brian, I, I got something, dude. I okay. found something. Say it. And I know we wanted to leave it up to our listeners, but I want to I spoil it. Yeah. Guess who was in Face Off with Nick Cage? Who? John Travolta. Gina Gershon. Uh, yes! Oh, six degrees! Two degrees! 
two degrees of separation. Unbelievable. Gina Gershon, what a... I mean, Jason Stewart, the women of the Los Angeles area, those with Tinder accounts, they know your prowess. Were you not tempted to use your considerable sleigh skills on a beauty, a classic beauty like Gina Gershon, or did your professionalism keep you from acting on your animal instincts? I need to go with a uh, neither A or B, it's C. I was absolutely tempted, but had exactly zero game oh. when it came with oh. really one of the true hotties yeah. of the industry. She is a major, major piece. Okay, excellent job all the way around. For Jason Stewart, for Ed Daly, I'm Brian Beckner. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you.